0: Secrets to Real Estate Investing, episode 94. Welcome to the Secrets of Real Estate Investing Show, where you'll learn powerful strategies from top experts to take your investments to the next level. Here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. And we have with us today a man on another continent. This is so cool. Today we have with us Mr. Billy Keels, who is living in Barcelona, but doing investing in the United States. So I'm really excited to welcome to the show, Billy. Welcome, Billy.
1: Hey, Holly, thanks so much. I'm really, really excited to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about uh, long-distance investing with you and uh, and your viewers and listeners. Oh,
0: well, thanks for being here. I appreciate you taking your valuable time. And listeners, he's doing this at like 10 p.m. his time, and it's the middle (laughs) of the day over here in California, so thank you, Billy. Appreciate it. But- there's a reason that it's kind of nighttime for you because you still have a day job, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. I do. I do. So this is about the time of the evening um, when I get started on the, on the U S side of the, of the business. And I, and then I probably wake up first thing in the morning, usually around five 15, five 30 and, and do like an hour and a half, two hours uh, as well on the real estate. Then I get into the, uh, I guess we used to call it the nine to five, but it's a little bit more than that nowadays.
0: Yes. Well, why don't you give our listeners your backstory, background, and tell us about yourself.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so I'm a, I'm a guy from Columbus, Ohio, from the, from the Midwest, uh, who happened to um, be very fortunate to have great parents who uh, did a lot of sacrificing for uh, me and my brother and sister when we were young. Uh, always taught us to be curious, to, to, um, to go out, meet new people, try new things and continue to move forward. So I had a chance to, well, being from Ohio, went to um, university in, or college in the southwest of Ohio. And then afterwards, I had this really, really cool job where I was working and traveling. And in five years, I'd worked and traveled throughout 58 different countries. So it was completely like out of this world. Um, oh and what that, what that did, I mean, it completely changed my perspective on things, that whole curiosity. Um, I really had a chance to be even more curious, to learn more about people, new languages, new cultures, things like that. And that really inspired me afterwards to not I didn't want to go into a normal nine to five job after having such an amazing experience. So I went to I wanted to learn French. I wanted to learn more about wine and I wanted to learn how to salsa dance. So I moved to Paris, France, did a one year sabbatical, Was supposed to head back to the States. One thing led to another uh, to another and ended up really enjoying the experience, moved down to the south of France, and started working in an IT company, started working for a company called Dell. I think most of us have probably heard of them or seen them somewhere, shape, or form. Uh, So I was there for a a number of years, had a chance to move through the ranks, uh, even had a chance to live and work in Italy. uh, So with the sales team there, then went back to uh, France. Along the way, I ended up meeting a a very beautiful little Spanish woman. uh, And eventually one thing led to the next. Uh, I left the south of France. Uh, when I got back from Italy, moved to Barcelona, Spain. I've been here ever since 2005 and um, married two little kids. Uh, so very, very happy. And, um, and then along the way, I can tell you a little bit more, but um, that's how I got to Europe and getting into real estate was kind of a different story, but uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll get a chance to share a little bit about that.
0: So you went over to Europe for kind of an extended vacation and to learn some new skills, which I don't know if you were inspired by the four-hour work week book um, at all, but that definitely got my mind thinking of those things. However, I think I already had four children. I know I had four children by the time I read that book. I'm like, well, a little bit hard to kind of live all harder, not impossible. So that wasn't for me at the time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, what an amazing journey that you went kind of for fun, and then ended up putting down roots,
1: huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't expect that at all. And so, yeah, but uh, but it's been great. And yes, I did read The 4-Hour week and that was another kind of <laughs> dimension uh, shifter, uh, uh, so sort to of speak.
0: Well, yeah. And for those who haven't read that lovely Tim Ferriss book, Tim Ferriss talks a lot about like, hey, don't think you have to work your whole life in a nine to five situation or whatever, save your money, and then you're going to go travel around the world. You can do it now. It's surprisingly affordable. And sometimes you can work remotely. I mean, all, almost everyone can work remotely these days when he was publishing that book. A decade plus ago, it wasn't. But what was it that popped out about that book to you, and did you apply any of its principles?
1: Well, you know, when I think about is it, just the fact of the matter is, he would. You know, I remember him talking about the 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 the, the arbitrage, you know, and being able to live in one place and leverage uh, skills and talents in, in other places to be able to support a lifestyle. So I think that was one of the. Th- things if I if I have to think back about some of the things that we're doing nowadays is yeah you can you can actually live where you want and the lifestyle that you want and you're able to still create an income for yourself but you just have to maybe go outside of what we've been taught in the traditional school system to be able to do that so that was one of the things that definitely resonated with me and continues to resonate with me to to this day
0: Cool. Yeah, I'm sure we could do a whole show just on that. But (laughs) let's get into the real estate investing Mm -hmm. discussion. How did you get interested in that? And tell us about your real estate journey.
1: So, you know, Holly, this was uh, on the one side of things when I talked about the travel, and that was really, really nice uh, part. And it is a nice part. Uh, The real estate actually started from something that was a bit more... Um, sad, uh, let's say, or a bit more kind of a, a, a heart-wrenching uh, because mm-hmm. I had, you know, I'm, I've always been uh, the type of person, you know, you, you go out and you get your good grades and you and you go to school and you get in the g- great corporate job and you climb the ladder, right? And so mm-hmm. I've been very fortunate. So i got good grades and I've been in, in great roles in, in big multinational companies and continue to move up the ladder. Um, but in around 2000, when the, cause I, like most people, I took the money that I had and I maxed out everything I could in 401k and I put it here and put it there. And um, and that was the only type of investing that I was doing at the time. And so in two, after 2000, my stock portfolio went down. And so that didn't feel very good, right? Because I was like, I, I, I'm not in control of it, but I thought, well, you know, I've been told, no, you just have to wait it out and everything will come back. And it started coming back. And then in 2008, like the whole thing crashed again, 2008, 2009. And I just got frustrated. I, you know, I just, it was like this, someone hit me in the gut again. And I thought this, I can't keep doing this because I just don't have any control over what is happening with my finances and I'm working really hard. So um, I decided to, I wanted to create a new alternative for myself. And I remember at, at a time I, I was at my dad and stepmoms and they had this little purple book which I'm sure many many people continue to talk about it I know I've heard other many other people talk about you know rich dad poor dad and I picked that book up and I I put it back down and then a couple years later I picked it up again and actually brought it to Barcelona with me and read it read it cover to cover and I was like wow this is amazing and so what I wanted to do to get away from that whole Lack of control of my finances, I thought. Well, you know, let me go ahead and try this. But because I didn't have it perfected, I thought I would go out and read more books and more books and more books and more books and more books. And um, eventually, I had to take the plunge. I thought about buying an apartment here in Barcelona, and then all the concepts that I'd read in the book actually didn't translate from a cash flow perspective. And I think, well, and I don't think I know for sure that the barcelona market or, or many places in europe are very similar to the, what you experience in california right so more of an appreciation type of a play versus cash flow and so because i couldn't find the, the the apartment then i started looking at buying parking spaces and the parking spaces it was going to take me probably 45 or 50 years to just to get the return of my capital uh, much less a, a return on my capital so Wait, wait. Um,
0: I've never heard anyone say that. What do you mean by parking spaces? One parking space, multiple parking spaces? What is that?
1: Yeah, so so one parking space. So, you know, and I guess it, it's pretty similar in like, on. I think, I know in New York City, you can buy a parking space. And so, you know, here in Barcelona, you may buy a parking space, it costs you 40 or 50,000 euros, <laughs> which is more or less, I guess, probably around $45,000, something like that. And then you can rent that parking space if you live in the center of town. People that are working in the center of town rather than parking on the street or parking in a, a parking lot or park, yeah, a parking garage, they would you know rent your space. So, but because it was going to take so long, I thought, wow, this is crazy. And then one day somebody told me, well, Billy, you're an American and you have access to the U.S. market. Why don't you try to do that? And so thinking about the four-hour work week and I guess these kinds of things. Okay, well, yeah, it wasn't, I'd always thought about buying a property right in the place that I live, but why not? And one thing led to the next and that's how I started into real estate. The origin of the, of getting started in real estate was because I was just tired of my my portfolio crashing and me having absolutely no control over it and I didn't want to listen to, well, just go ahead and wait for X number of years again. That, that kind of, if it happens once, shame on, Mm, shame on you if it happens twice. Shame on me. <laughs> so I didn't want to do that again. I just needed to create a new alternative. And so this was the this was the way that I wanted to uh, to do that.
0: Wow, that is really interesting. And I didn't I know nothing about the Barcelona market. So that's interesting to know
1: mm-hmm. that
0: it's not someplace. And for somebody that may not know the terms, um, when you're investing for cash flow versus appreciation, um, why don't you talk about that a minute? and like different parts of the U S what's what. So California's appreciation, that means you lose money on a monthly basis, right?
1: (laughs) Well, potentially, potentially. Yeah, I guess, you know, and I think a lot about sports. So, and you know, when you, if I, and I guess the the thing that comes to mind, if anybody likes to play um, baseball, you know, when you're thinking about baseball, you have, when, when you're on offense and you're going out to swing the bat, you can, Uh, you can either hit a grand slam or a home run and everybody's you know super super excited when you hit that grand slam because you know you've made this amazing um uh, amazing place and you've either gone by yourself all around the bases or, or you and three other people and so that's i like to think about the appreciation markets because when things are really really nice it's it's happy it's great times um you know at the same time when you're usually swinging for the fences, as we like to say, for the grand slams, there's also a high possibility that you can strike out. So when you strike out, it doesn't feel so good. Um, very similar to the appreciation, those the highs and the lows that happen in a market like California or like New York. Uh, whereas where I'm from, Columbus, Ohio, or the the Rust Belt, you know, you don't you, you go for more base hits. It's just very simple some would say boring um, but you know there's a higher possibility of getting base hits after base hit after base hit so i guess if i had to think about the united states on the if you look on the on the on the edges of the united states where you typically are going to have your appreciation markets and when you're in the middle where it's a little more boring kind of like uh i guess me from the midwest uh, you get the base hits so that's how i guess how, the way that i would uh, would describe the appreciation versus cash flow the, the, the cash flow are, are the base hits
0: yeah that's true and um a lot of people talk about the 1% rule the 1% rule if you haven't heard it before not you billy but i mean a listener <laughs> yeah what that means is you want to get 1% of your purchase price per month in rent. Well, in my neighborhood, you can buy a home for a million dollars and you can rent it out for about probably $3,500 a month. So 1% rule would be like, well, you'd wanna make 10,000 a month, but you're only getting 3,500 a month. But, um, that, so the 1% rule doesn't cut it here on the coast, but a few years ago, inland in an area called Inland Empire, Mm -hmm. um, like we were able to buy homes in Riverside that met the 1% rule. So I paid 150 grand for a house, including fix up. And I probably rented it out for like 1400 a month, 1300 a month, but now the rents have gone higher. So the 1% rule worked three, four years ago. In inland areas of Southern California, but in Texas now, I'm sure you can pay a hundred grand for a house and probably rent it out for twelve hundred a month. So you're doing better than the one percent rule. And Columbus, Ohio, what I don't know if you know what's going on there. I don't. But are there areas where you can even do up to two percent? Maybe I was going
1: to say you could. I mean, you could do one and a half percent. There are also some areas in Columbus now where you know one percent. Rule, you're you're doing well. Um, very similar, but isn't that great about the? That's like one of the greatest things about real estate. I mean, you can be focused on cash flow, you can be focused on appreciation, you can be focused on what's in between, uh, and as long as you understand the market that you're operating in, you can really create a play for yourself or for your investors that makes sense. I mean, that's one of the things that I really really love about real estate compared to, you know, when I when when it was just in the stock market, it was everything was buy low, sell high, buy low, sell high. I mean, there are other things that you can do a bit more sophisticated in the stock market, but the basic principle is that. And when you're in real estate, if you understand what it is you like to do and why you like to do it, there's almost so many different ways. There are lots of different ways that you can go out and actually create that Reality or that alternative that you're looking for.
0: So you led right into my next question. What was your plan? And did you follow it or did it have any changes along the way?
1: (laughs) Wow, Um, so my plan was Initially, so I'm, I'm one of those people that I like to write goals down and it just helps me It's also one of the reasons that I've learned five languages because I like to, you know, visually, I, I like to be able to see new words and new things and my sales quota, same kind of thing. So I wrote down in 2000 and I think it was 2012, like no October, November of 2012, I wrote down that I wanted to be able to purchase 10 properties and, and be able to create four figures of net income. And I wanted to do that in a period of five years. And so doing that from so far away, I thought, well, you know, this seemed reasonable. And, um, and that was my goal. And once kind of got started, I was very, very fortunate to have had a team around me and we were able to get to that goal that I'd set over 60 months, six, zero months, and we did it in 18. So, awesome! <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was, so that was the goal. And learned a lot along the way, and made a lot of mistakes, and you know, still make mistakes, but just not the same mistakes over and over again. And um, and I make less mistakes because I also wanted to go, go out and work with mentors and people that are, have already done the things that I want to be able to do. And um, yeah, so that was that was it. That was the goal, and and we were fortunate enough to be able to achieve that goal. So,
0: so what do you invest in? Is it multifamily, single family? What do you do? It's-
1: so we, we invest in multifamily properties. So that is our focus area. It's what we like to do, uh, fits best with, uh, with, I guess initially it started out with best, what is for the best focus area for me and the skill set. And it's also something now that we are seeing that has attracted uh, investors to, you know, to the multifamily type of thing. We don't, we Don't typically, we're not really focused at this point on the larger and I consider larger properties, um, 200 units or above. And we tend to stay out of that space for the moment. I mean, maybe we would uh, we would get in that space uh, eventually, but um, but right now we like the smaller, uh, the smaller properties, smaller multifamily properties.
0: And what areas do you? Own your properties in and
1: look for properties. So we primarily so we've done a lot of studies across the U.S. in cash flow type markets, and you know some of the different markets that we have looked and studied. And you know, probably no big surprise to you, Holly, but markets like uh, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Indianapolis was on the um, on the radar. Columbus, Ohio. Um, but all of the cities, or even Philadelphia, where we currently have properties um, are, is just in the, outside of the Philadelphia MSA. Uh, though our real focus right now is on the Charlotte, the Charlotte MSA, our Metropolitan Statistical Area. Just think of the larger, the greater Charlotte area uh, is where we really, really like right now. We're focused there and, uh, and our investors like the Charlotte market as well.
0: And what makes you like versus not like an area? What do you look um, for?
1: Yeah, so the number one thing that I like to look for now, because there's also, remember I have told you, there's been an evolution. In the beginning, I just bought a place because well, just, I had the money to buy it, and that's not necessarily the best way to go about it. Uh, I like to look at what, first of all, you know, it, what is the trend? Is the trend that there are more people moving into a place versus moving out so something called net migration okay is something i really like to to look at and understand I also like to look at what is behind that net migration what is what is the driver so what are the jobs typically people like to move to a place because there is a way that they can move and sustain their family or their lifestyle or whatever that may be uh, and then from the jobs is really the diversification of jobs Uh, which is one of the reasons we really like uh charlotte i mean you have everything from uh, the financial services sector with companies like uh, bank of america bbnt you also have um, companies like lowe's in the retail area Uh, you have um energy companies you have logistics companies so there's a lot of diversification uh of jobs so what where people are moving The jobs that are behind them and what types of jobs are are in the area are some of the really high level things that we look at. And then, of course, we drill into a lot more uh, beyond that. But that's uh, that's really what we like to look at to get started. That's
0: great. So have you always focused on multifamily or did you ever do single family?
1: You know, in my mind, after I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I I, I only thought of single family. I didn't even think multifamily was an op, was an option. And I've never purchased a single family residence, so they've only been so duplexes or quadplexes and 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 then a little bit larger. But so I'm, so it's only multifamily that uh, that we focus on, and 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 that was by more accident than anything because the very first property that I identified or that my team identified was a duplex. It was a, it was a lady who had inherited her home. So she did not want to live in the home that she inherited. She wanted to be able to move to the, to the Atlantic city coast. And it just so happened that I was looking for the market and my realtor found the deal and got me involved. And one thing led to the next and we started out with a duplex so
0: very nice Yeah, never owned a single family wow okay (laughs) unusual so many people springboard from that into multifamily, but hey why not go bigger
1: if you can right (laughs) yeah just kind of happen it kind of happened that way and i guess i i didn't know any better and so i thought okay well yeah sure let's go (laughs) (laughs) great
0: why don't you tell us um what in your opinion what are some of the most or, or the biggest investment mistakes that most people make
1: Um, I think very similar to maybe what I did in the beginning is because I had the money working in a corporate job and the money was there and I, and I, I, you know, when you read the books and you see what's happening, you just think, okay, well, I need to, I have the money, so let me just go out and spend the money on it. And you're not necessarily really getting educated on what could happen, simple things like due diligence. I mean, I'd read the books, but the books don't really tell you about due diligence. What is a strong due diligence process? And depending on if you, you know, I didn't also, I haven't, because I'm not in the U.S., there there aren't courses that I can go to and be in a REIA meeting every single week, and they talk to you about these kinds of things. So have sometimes having the money and not having the knowledge can be more dangerous than, doing it the opposite way around. So I would say one of the biggest mistakes is looking for the cheapest, quote unquote, cheapest property to, to get involved in. If you don't know what you're doing, those cheap properties can be really, 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 really expensive. And I know that because I've talked to people who've, you know, used 70, 80, hundred thousand to put in or buy a property. And it turned out to be a disaster for them afterwards. But they
0: learned the a lesson. Yeah, and yeah. elaborate on that just a little bit. Like, what are the potential problems that could happen from that?
1: Um, you know, if you th- imagine, so, and I speak to people all the time where they have, I mentioned before, so it could be as, as little as uh, $50,000 in, in a savings account up to, you know, half a million, these kinds of things. And when they want to move into a property, I was just talking to somebody recently that bought an $80,000 property, but when they bought the $80,000 property, they didn't actually realize that there were a bunch of structural issues with it. And so what they thought was really inexpensive because it was only 80 grand. Um, well, it's going to cost them a whole lot more than 80 grand because now they're still in to figure out how much it's actually going to cost, um, to get things fixed. So that goes, I guess the way that I would view that is, is that that part is not so much about money. It's really about understanding, um, understanding what you're getting yourself involved in.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's there's a reason that there have been homes for sale, at least in the U.S., for as low as $1 or $1,000. It's because they kind of have a negative value. They're going to cost more to solve the problem than they will be worth after the problem is solved. So yeah. buyer beware. Yeah, yes. for sure. <laughs> <Get> <laughs> it
1: educated. is possible. Get educated. <laughs>
0: Yeah. If it seems too good to be true, it might be. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Well, um, as we're getting here near the end of the show, uh, I'm really excited about what you're offering our listeners for our free download this week, yep. um, your your 10-point checklist to help people determine if they're ready for passive investing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that we, we start realizing, because we're talking to so many different people, and a lot of people that I speak to, they're we're working in corporate jobs and they've been established in you know corporate jobs for 10, 15, 20 plus years. And they've gone through the same roller coaster ride that that I went through. And, and when you don't really know where to start, sometimes you just need some help. It's the like it was, as I mentioned before, it's the, the education piece and it's just thinking about different streams creating different streams of income. If you love your corporate job, and that motivates you and you want to stay in that, Well, stay in that. I mean, definitely stay in that, do what you do best, what you like. And if they're also at the same time, you can create other ways to create revenue or streams of income. Then look at that as well. So this is just a, it's a really simple checklist to help people understand where they are or how they can create passive income for themselves, different areas that they can find passive income. And also gives them an opportunity to figure out, you know, how, conservative or aggressive they like to be, uh, from an investing standpoint. So it's very simple, very easy. And, um, sure that, uh, that everyone will get lots of, uh, likes of value. At least we get to sit down and think about some of the things uh, to create new revenue streams.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for providing that. So listeners, you can grab that free download at hardhatholly.com forward slash 94 cause we're show number 94 wow. and you can also text, to the number 38470. So on your phone, you dial 38470. You're going to send a text, and all you do is put in the word hard hat with no spaces hard hat for hard hat Holly. And you'll get on our little notification blast every week of new podcasts being out, and you'll get this free download and our past downloads as well. So text hard hat to 38470. Or go to hardhatholly.com forward slash 94. That's also where all our show notes are going to be with all the links that um, can connect you to Billy. Billy, why don't you also talk about um, your site, your book, and what else, like people, why people might want to um, get in touch with you and learn more from you?
1: Sure. I mean, anybody who is, especially someone like me, you've been in a corporate job for quite a long time and you just, you made, you want to, Think about things from a from a different perspective. Not saying stop doing what you're doing, but just how can you create new things? I'm, I'd always like to speak to people. Is one of the things I've been doing uh, a lot recently. Um, you talked about the book. Uh, actually, in uh, last year, I had a chance to have a, a book published. It's a it's an ebook. I was an Amazon bestseller when it came out, so that was a really kind of exciting. Um, it's on Amazon. You can buy it, but uh, Holly, I would like to be able to offer it to, uh, to your listeners and viewers. Awesome! Um, in order to, to get that, they just need to go to grow your money, uh, that's the name of the book and they can just leave their email and they get the book that way. Uh, if anybody would like to speak, um, or maybe they want to pick up the phone, happy to have a, a call with you. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Uh, you just need to go to V I T dot L Y Forward slash speak with Billy. And uh, we can get on a call. And if anyone just wants to check out the website and see what we're doing from a long distance investing perspective, they just need to go to keeponcashflow.com.
0: Yeah, and that's spelled K E E P O N, just like it sounds. Keeponcashflow.com. Because yep, who perfect. doesn't want more cash flow, right? <laughs> right. I Steve love you know. it. Okay, well, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners as we sign off here?
1: Yeah, you know what? Actually, before the advice, uh, Holly, I'd just like to thank you for uh, continuing to spread the word and give uh, so many of us the opportunity, uh, depending on different walks of the real estate life. Um, You're opening up your your knowledge and wisdom with everybody and giving people different perspectives to think about. So I'd like to thank you for that first and foremost. Um, And then I would also like to just say to anybody, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Uh, if you have the desire to get involved in real estate from whatever perspective that is, whether it's flipping, whether it's wholesaling, whether it's cash flowing, um, you should be able to do that. Um, because especially if you're no matter where you are, just um, don't don't have any self-limiting beliefs or try to work on, on minimizing them and surrounding yourself with people that are going to help to inspire you and push you to to take action so that's i guess what i would like to to leave anybody with that's uh, watching or listening
0: amen well said (laughs) well thanks for your time billy and listeners get out there take some action go take this little checklist quiz of billy see where you're at find what's right for you and create some cash flow some wealth and make it happen thanks for listening